Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Vault. I'm Anthony. And my name is Christopher Epps. And today we're going to be reviewing um, a very fairly new film, A Quiet Place Part 2. Before we get into that, Chris, how you been doing? Hey, man, I've been doing uh, I've been doing good. I've just, I've just been I've been busy. Uh, I got a, a new contract that um, mm-hmm. got kind of like signed I um, for a new client. Uh, I'm working with um, Herman Moore. He's a ex NFL Detroit Lions wide receiver. Um, and okay. I've content for him for like the last two months or so. Um, so it's been keeping me busy, pretty busy, um, you know, because of course they want uh, content turned around pretty quickly. So mm. pretty much after shoots, you know, I just dump the footage and then I start editing that night. And, um, you know, of course, then you have revisions and stuff. And um, yeah, it's been it's been really, really intense and really busy. So but I can't complain. No, no, no. I, I would say um, I mean, you can complain. You can't complain. But um, I would say uh, that's a great thing that you're doing that, though, that you that you got that work going for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm thankful that it's, you know. I can actually live my life as a entrepreneur. Um, so that's pretty dope. Right. That's kind of something I want to touch on as we get like later on in the episode about um, something that's been kind of like getting to me where um, in the film industry where you ask yourself, are you really happy for your colleague's success? Not, not necessarily your friend's success, but somebody you probably went to school with or probably came up with and you see, you go on social media and say, oh, man, they're, they're doing this or they just got this done and you're happy for them. But that negative voice in the back of your mind goes, dang, you should be there. Like, mm-hmm. I want to know, like, have you have you ever been there personally in your career? Um, that's a very interesting question. Um, I would have to really think on that, to be honest. But um, the first thing that comes to my mind um, is that I've, I've kind of always remained focused on what I'm doing. So like once I, so from high school and then going to college and stuff, it was, I didn't really care. It was like, you know, whatever, we're all in high school and then we're in college, you know, I was just drinking and stuff and just, you know, just partying. Um, and so I didn't really think about success in those terms. And then, um, once I graduated and I saw friends doing what they, you know, were supposed to do, like they would get jobs, they would, you know, get married or, you know, move into a house and stuff like that. Like I have friends now that, you know, travel across the world. I have, you know, a couple of friends that are just now getting married and they're getting houses and stuff. I'm not in Mm -hmm. my house yet. So of course, like there's like a little tinge of like, you know, oh, my friends are, you know, having experiences, you know, you know, traveling around the world and they've been doing this for years and then other friends that actually have a house and stuff. So do I feel kind of slighted? I mean, I don't feel slighted, but it's just like, dang, I wish I was there, but I know that my time is coming because I've stayed focused on what I'm doing for so long. So I'm just remaining patient, but I think there's a difference because I'm wor- I'm still working towards something. If I, I think if I wasn't working towards anything, then I, I would probably, you know, dr- drink that haterade a little bit more, but because I'm working for something, working towards something, it's like, that's going to be me one day, you know, like I'll get there. It'll be my turn eventually. 
Yeah, I think that's the way to look at it. If you're working towards something, then that negative voice can really be shut down. Because I had a person that I went to college with. I was on her IG. I saw that she had just made it big with some things that um, she was working on getting. She had gotten an agent. She's a writer. She's a screenwriter like me. She had gotten an agent. She had gotten a manager. And she was working on getting some scripts sold to some shows. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the forefront, I'm like, oh, man, I'm happy for you know, another thing, she's a, she's a sister. She's a black woman. I'm like, oh, I'm happy for her. She's making her staple in the game, you know, for people like Issa Rae and um, who's the woman that made Living Single? Yvette Lee Browser. And I could say a whole bunch of other people, you know, they paved the way for my for my colleague. And, you know, she's a friend. She's a friend. Um, but then there was that that voice saying, oh, man, where's your success? You should be right mm-hmm. there, too. You know, where why where's your IG post? But mm-hmm. The fact that you are working towards something that I'm working towards something in my personal life, um, that shuts that negative voice down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I feel like that's that's the the best way to the best way to handle it, mm-hmm. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you saw Quiet Place part two, huh? Yeah, man. Um, you know, uh so you know, I've I have a wife and two kids and you know usually you know yeah, how did I, you I, swing I, that yeah um so usually I, I don't i don't get to go to the movies because of you know my wife and or not not my wife but uh the fact that i have two little kids because it wasn't for them you know it would it would be, mm-hmm. be able to do whatever but anyway um so you know i'm home most of the time with them and um so i was like babe i've been waiting on this movie to come out for you know a year and a half at this point and You've been waiting a whole pandemic to see this film. A whole pandemic to see this film. (laughs) And I was like, I've been waiting so long. I want to see this film. I got to go see this film. So, like, I got to get some time to myself to go see this film. Because I know she doesn't like, you know, suspense movies or movies that have, you know, just make you feel antsy. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. the kids can't watch something like that. You know, they're they're little. And next thing you know, they'll be waking up talking about, I had a nightmare. So, I'm like, man, I need to go see this movie. So, I went and saw Mm -hmm. And... It was good. It gave me suspense. Um, it gave me thrills. Um, it it gave me enough to be satisfied. See, I was a little different. I was a little different with this movie. Um, but before I hop into my thing, what what was it like for you going back to the movies? Like, like did you? run into any distractions i know i did on my end but how was it for you so when i went back i went to the imagine theater in royal oak and okay. i went into the um the, the what they call the the, the emax and it's like this big old theater it's the big and, theater um, yeah the big screen theater you know and um see which i love it um i had originally gotten i guess they're called skybox tickets um mm-hmm. But the theater was so empty that you could basically sit wherever you wanted to. So I said, man, skip that. Because first of all, I, I couldn't even find it. I, really, I, later on, I found it. You had to go up the elevator. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, skip that. So I went to the main theater, basically had, you know, all the seats to, to, to pick from. Because there's only maybe about 20 people in general out of like 100 seats. 
So I was like, bet. So I got to, you know, I just picked a seat, sat down. And I was like, you know, if somebody comes in and says, you know, hey, that's their seat. I'll just get up and move to one of the other, you know, 90 or 76 seats, whatever. So, um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty cool being back in the theater. It was, it felt good just to have that popcorn to have that pop and, um, you know, just sit back and watch a good film. Um, and that was refreshing. Dude, that's the experience I wanted to have with my wife. My wife enjoyed the movie, so she had fun. Um, the only thing with me is that it, it was it, it was the best of both worlds. So it was on a big screen, which I love. I got the big screen at the theater. I went to a Regal theater. So mm-hmm. basically what their Dolby Cinema or what their E-Box is, that's what I, that's what I went to. Um, the one thing that was bad about it, though, was that there were these, like, punk kids way in the back row talking during like half of the movie oh man and i'm like see this is the reason people like to stay at home now listen i love i love the movies yeah but i'm like why are y'all here right now this is a tuesday night y'all have no reason to be here right now yeah um in regards to the movie so yes it had the action it had the suspense but it felt like it felt like the film kept spinning its wheels throughout the whole movie. Like if someone were to ask me how to summarize this film, I would name three plot points and that would be it. I, I feel like, like the film, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be too negative about it. Cause it was a good movie. It did keep me in suspense and um, it was made well, just like the first film, but I feel like it was missing something that the first film had. The first film had a, it had an edge to it. It had different points to its plot. It had different points to its plot, and it didn't spin its wheels so much. Mm-hmm. And it didn't feel like a commercial that said, "Hey, you like this? Now come back for part three. Mm-hmm. Like this felt like a very transitionary film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, um, yeah. What's up? Go ahead. Like, I feel like this film was set up just to make a bridge to part three. Now I'm gonna see part three, obviously, but it's like it's like watching Captain Marvel just to understand what she can do in preparation for Endgame. We always come back to Marvel. That's funny to me, <laughs> but you get you get what I mean. In hindsight, I didn't really like Captain Marvel. I like Brie Larson, but I don't like Captain Marvel. But I watched it because I had to watch it for the new film. Yeah. Oh man, um, I. I see what you're saying. And th- and this is why, like I said, it was enough to satisfy me, but it wasn't anything that was like, you know, amazing. I, I get what you're saying. The-, the first one, the first one was kind of just an unexpected good movie to me. It was just like, wow, like I wasn't expecting it to be good. Like I had, it's, it had promise, mm-hmm. but I wasn't expecting it to follow through on that promise. That's what the first one had. The second one, in the beginning, it has promise. It shows all these promises, like yo, like yeah, know, the prologue the is pretty good. Yeah, the camera angles and all that stuff was, you know, bit of building up suspense and stuff, and what was happening on screen was dope. And then it kind of just trails off after that. So it's like it becomes like a echo. It's like you know when 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 that sound first comes out of you know whatever makes whatever makes a noise. If if you're yelling, you're like hey. When that sound comes out your mouth, it sounds clear. And then as it goes mm-hmm. away from your mouth, it just kind of echoes and just goes away. That's what this film kind of was like. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of meandering 
the, I feel like the film meandered a lot. Like, um, okay, we meet this new guy, Clint, Clint, Killian Murphy's character, who I like, Killian Murphy, mm-hmm. but he kind of felt like he was a surrogate for John Krasinski's character. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, okay, the father's not here. So we got this guy who who isn't their father, but he's a friend from the old world. So we're just going to put him in as a stand-in. Yeah. And that's fine. But I feel like where the plot takes a, and we're not going to spoil anything, but where the plot is, where it's like you're following these two characters on an adventure, looking for a place, and you're focusing on these two characters who are left holding down the fort with the baby, and it's like, okay, it stays like this for the last 50%, last half of the movie. And I don't know, man. I just kind of walked out saying, okay, I, that was a solid movie. It wasn't a solid sequel. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, I see that. I want to add to that point. Um, okay. I think where the movie should have ended was where Digimon Hans, I, I'm, I'm probably messing up his name, but Hans Blood Diamond. Blood Diamond. Yeah. It was called Blood Diamond. <laughs> when Blood Diamond, you know, when they, when they uh, showed him on his part, cause I don't, I don't want to mm-hmm. give anything away. Mm-hmm. It should have ended there. It should have ended with that. And they could have them showing up. up? With, with with them revealing what, what the place was, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh. you know what I'm saying? So, like, I feel like they should have ended it there with that promise, like. That would have made it worse, because I'd be like, uh, we, we, I would have been like, we got, we got to the end of this film just to end here. I mean, but, like, see, the thing is, to be honest, that would have been a better place to end it and then make... A third one. The third one's getting made regardless. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, but like, but like, you know, we got to, they gave us too much. I feel like, I mean, it still ended there kind of, but it was just, it was a repeat. It was a repeat like, of what had already happened. I feel like this could have been a pandemic special episode on Netflix or something. Like this could have mm-hmm. been like a tie-in short film in leading uh, to the next film. You know what I mean? Like, instead of making this a whole, I, I think, I think replacing the writers, because um, I believe with the first film, it was written by Brian Woods and Scott Beck. And they sold that, they sold the script to Paramount and John Krasinski signed on to uh, to direct it, the first film. This film is written and directed solely by John. And I'm not doubting John's writing because, like I said, it is a solid movie. But I feel like the the fresh original flow Scott and Brian brought to the script of the first film is kind of lost in this one hmm. because it, it's hmm. kind of the same movie, just different locations. Yeah. You get I what I mean? That. I get. Yeah. I I, I get it. Um. I don't think is I don't think this is the film. Well, no, this this probably is the film to bring people back to theaters. I'll give it that. It, it's not like I said, it's, it wasn't a bad movie. I just don't think it was a very good sequel. Uh, 
Why is this film so weird, man? This film is like it's good, but at the same time, it has its drawbacks. There's great moments. The film has great moments, but they're they're yeah. moments. They're not as a whole, to me, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. And the more I think about this film and, the, and what you're describing it as, now I'm starting to question my original analysis of it. But I mean, it, it I think when I say I'm I'm satisfied by it, I think it gave me the thrills I was looking for, but the carry through just wasn't there. And I think that's where I'm where I'm agreeing with you. As a straight up movie night, it did its job. Yeah. It did its job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you what do you rate this? I mean, what, what do we what do we do it out of? Do we do it out of five or ten? That's a good question. I was just gonna ask, you know, I was gonna say <laughs> we we need to have our own rating system, but but until we figure that out, uh <laughs> we could do it out of five. Let's do it out of five. I feel like that that fits this film. Um I give it a, I'll give it, it, I give this a light three. I'll give it a three. I would give the film a three. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's not horrible. Um, mm-hmm. it's not great. You know, it's solid. It's a solid movie. Yeah. If you want some thrills, if you want some suspense, it gives it to you. But if you're looking for something more than that, for something that is um a little bit different, it doesn't give you that. Yeah, definitely. But you know what I did see that surprised me on how good it was? What? Cruella. Yes, I saw that too. I saw that with the wife. And yeah, um, that, yeah, that that was a good one, man. It was a good one. I was I was surprised because I was not expecting Cruella to be um, a good film, and especially with uh, what was her name Emma Emma Stone. It, it's, it's not that she's a bad actor. I think I just don't really like the movies that she plays in. I knew she was going to kill it. I I like Emma. Um, Yeah, I knew she was going to kill it. I was just surprised because when the film first started off, you know, when you're seeing Cruella, like, you know, grow up and stuff like that as a kid, how school school was for her. It it had a very Disney-ish feel to it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, eh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I don't know if this film was going to rock with me. But as it kept going and you, you know, when she became an adult, well, when when the moment happens that causes her to, like, you know, feel trauma and and become an adult um, and more characters get in, get brought in. That's when the film really got interesting to me. I'm like, okay, this is something that both kids and adults can enjoy. And the soundtrack, man. Dude, it's like they were in the editing bay and asked Disney, hey, how many great songs from the 70s can we use? And Disney was like, yep. <laughs> like, didn't give an answer. They just said, yep, okay. Yeah. Whatever you want. They used, that soundtrack was banging, man. It might have had like every 70s hit in that soundtrack. I would have to watch it again for the soundtrack. Um. That wasn't that wasn't the first thing that jumped out to me, but um, I got you. Yeah. yeah, I I really liked it, man. I really felt like the narrative was fresh. Um, they made a compelling case for uh, Corella because mm-hmm. you ask yourself, like, man, how are you going to make a film about Maleficent? How are you going to make a film about <laughs> Ursula? You know what I mean? But this film made a case for itself, for its main character. Yeah. 
Yeah, it did. Um, it was uh, it was well done, well executed. Um, you know, I have to give my I have to give my props to Emma Stone because when when they first showed Cruella as an adult and she was you know at first she was facing the camera and then she turned around and they they did that that, that tracking shot from behind her as she walked out of the room whatever and Emma Stone mm-hmm. had that hunch in her back just just like the you know she does um <sighs> that was amazing that was mm-hmm. really amazing because Emma Stone really embodied Cruella um because you know she does yeah. have that hunch uh, so you know me, me and the wife saw that and we were like wow that was pretty dope of her to you know really uh fully in- internalize the character um we did say that um uh emma should be careful about the roles that she plays because if we look at what happened to heath ledger now i know corella deville is nowhere near you know the joker or anything yeah, like that nowhere near but emma stone did play the heck out of that role which means that she could really lose herself in a role so me and the wife were like hey we want to see you alive emma stone we don't want to see you go over the deep end so be careful i love how you bring these crazy theories to the table man like <laughs> i don't even think Cabrella was that twisted man maybe in the, well maybe in 101 dalmatians but like like early Cruella that we're seeing now i don't even see her like that man like she was I don't even think this was the beginning of Breaking Bad. This was just someone coming into their own identity and their alter ego taking over. Um, but there were times when it when it first started off through the adulthood phase where I'm like, man, this screams Devil Wears Prada, but it screams it in a good way. You know, like it didn't feel like it was ripping off Devil Wears Prada. It felt like it had that kind of vibe, but through the lens of a... Um, villain origin story mm. um i've never seen devil wears prada uh i have to watch serious that what year is that i mean i've heard of it for sure but i never watched it um i don't know what year but i know it had meryl streep and Anne hathaway emily blunt was in it too i think that was one i think that was her breakout film she was okay. a supporting character you gotta check that out man a lot of people classified as a chick flick i wouldn't give it that i say it's actually a pretty good movie it's like one of meryl streep's best roles because she's so like you know well think of this character in cruella but less evil you know Mm -hmm. she she's very you know arrogant but she she knows her stuff she's she's on top of the fashion designer world Okay. You should get you should get that film a chance because if you gave that film a chance, I feel like you would appreciate Cruella more because I feel like See, Cruella is heavily inspired by that movie. Probably the fact that that it is a chick flick is probably what kept me away from it, but I'll I'll give it a shot, man. Just just because you mentioned it, it's not a chick flick. It's not. It's not you sure? you think because Prada is in the title, it is, but it's actually a pretty solid movie. Okay, I give it a try, man. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Cruella? I mean, well, you told me what you think of it, but did it? Did you feel like it was just okay, or you felt like it was solid, or no? It was solid. Like the the, the longer the film played, the more intrigued I was into the film, and and then how she bounced back between you know Estelle and Cruella. It was 
Um, uh, it, it, it made the film feel dynamic in a sense. It was like um, you were watching two. It was like you were watching two different films in a mm-hmm. sense. May, actually, maybe three because in the beginning, when she's your young girl, and then she's Estelle, and then she's Cruella. Like so, you have these different characters in the film, and it's like you're you're watching more than just one. It's a, it's an, it's three films in one almost just because the character changes and the character changes so drastic. And then you. the twist and then the twist at the end, like, come on, man. I wasn't expect. I didn't see that one coming. I, I, I knew that there was something there, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect that twist. Yeah. It threw me for a loop too, because it threw me for a loop as well. Yeah, that was a pretty solid twist, man. Because usually yeah. I'm in the mind that I like to be fooled. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of turn my brain off with certain films that, I'm, that I'm, I'm anticipating. Like, for example, have you seen Jordan Peele's Us? Yes. Yeah, I love that one. Okay, so like everybody in their mama who I talked to said, oh, you didn't see that twist coming at the end? I'm like, well, if I turn my brain on, I probably would have. But that's a film where I kind of I was anticipating it so much. I kind of I wanted to be fooled. So I turned my mm-hmm. brain off <laughs> with, with Cruella. Games. Yeah, like with Cruella, I kind of thought I expected not that twist, but another kind of twist. But uh, when that came along, I was like, oh, oh, OK, that's that's pretty solid. Yeah, this this was pretty good, man. Cruella was. I give Cruella three point five. Yeah, uh, I'd almost I'd almost give it a four. Yeah, uh, I think I think under further reevaluation, maybe four. It was it was very entertaining, man. That was a very good Disney film. Yeah, I was I was very surprised, man. I was I was expecting a, a complete trash movie, but I mean. I guess I don't know why I was expecting it to be complete trash when it's Disney. Disney does a pretty good job of making films. But you know what? A question that, that me and, you know, my wife had, and let me know if you, you know, know any information about this, but like, what makes Disney's films so good? Like, what kind of formula are they working with? Especially you as a, a script writer, you know, like, what do you see? I think it's humanity and relatability. Hmm. You know, I think when you look at characters like Buzz Lightyear and Woody, because I'm going to break it down to the basics. Buzz Lightyear is under the impression that he can actually fly. He doesn't think he's he doesn't think he's just a toy. You know, Woody, who has a has a best friend and Andy is starting to lose his best friend because a new guy has come on the block. So like with Woody, you have anxiety and fear of abandonment. With Buzz Lightyear, you have, you know, delusions of grandeur or believing in fairy tales, so to speak. But then when reality hits for Buzz, you know, he realizes he is just a toy. And, you know, Woody, you know, he may he realizes he's not the newest toy um, on the block anymore. He's not he's not the hot. He's not the hottest guy. He's not the hottest toy in the store. So you relate to these characters and you feel for them because in some point in our lives, even as kids, there's a moment we were like, like, dang, I remember when homegirl used to share her cookies with me at lunchtime. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, or um, I used to be the, I, I used to have the highest grades in the class, or you know what I mean? Like, even as adults, yeah. everyone can relate to these characters. With Cruella, you know, Cruella has been through some hard times in her life. Estella has been through some hard times in her life. And she takes her trauma and turns it into gold by becoming Cruella. You know, mm-hmm. villains are often the heroes of their own story. Right. You know, so there's relatability there. So I just I just think relatability and humanity are what make Disney films so great. Like they they make the fairy tale real, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. And they just do it on a mass level, which is insane. Yeah. Um, they got it down pat. They do. They do. Um, another film I just saw today. What was it today or was it yesterday? It was yesterday. I saw Nobody. I finally saw Nobody. Oh, yeah. So tell me what you thought, man. So, you know, I like Bob Odenkirk. And I feel like this was a great leading role for him. You know, I know Bob from Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. Um, I, I kind of watched Mr. Show, not not that much, but I know that was him back in way back in the day, him and David Cross. But um, I know him from those two shows, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Um, I liked it. I liked it. It's from the same writer that wrote John Wick, but I felt like this was a suburban John Wick. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I felt like this was John Wick light. You know what I mean? Yeah. It felt like a... It was it it was what it was, you know. It had great action, um, solid comedy, but that's pretty much all I got from it. You know, I felt like it was a solid popcorn blockbuster movie. You know, it was a solid popcorn film. I didn't hate it, I didn't love it, but it was solid. Yeah. Um, to me, it was it was just a film. Like you know, it wasn't it wasn't good and yeah it wasn't bad it was you know it was a little it was predictable um yeah which kind of had me bored at times i mean it was dope to see you know you know him be a a a badass but at the same time it was just like well i knew that that was gonna come I, i knew it from you know from the opening of the movie i was like this guy is playing a role that you know, he he wants to fit in. The walk didn't always match the talk. And I mean that in terms of plot and I don't want to say, it had its themes. The, the theme of, you know, emasculation or trying to hide your masculinity uh, for, for the sake of the greater good or for the sake of, um, you know, survival or whatever. Yeah. It had its themes, but its plot was very lacking because again, it is a basic, it's a basic action movie. You know, the slow-mo scenes, the slow motion scenes with the music, you know, you see Bible and Kirk, you know, lighting a cigarette in the beginning. Yeah. You see Bible yeah. and Kirk walking in slow motion to fight somebody. And, you know, and you know, the action scenes were fine, but it was like, okay, this film is I feel like the film was done. too it was tooting his own horn when his horn didn't play that good. His, it's, it's horn was just okay. Yeah. Like it's been done before. We've, we've seen that trope where, you know, of the guy that's, you know, trying to play nice in society, but you know, he has a past where, you know, he was a 
killer. I'm, John I'm Wick. Yeah, you know, a John Wick, you know, like you said, that this was a John Wick light. Um, you know, it, it didn't, uh, you know, John Wick is like really out there with it. It's like, if you're going to be a badass, be a badass. This right. film was like, it was like, if you ain't going to be a badass, be a badass. You know, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> With a smaller voice, you're gonna be a baby. You're gonna be a Yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't as grandiose as John Wick is. So I couldn't take it seriously um, at some points because I'm like, I just I cannot take this seriously. Bob Bob is fine. Bob is fine. It's just that I'm saying this is escalating, and the escalation is fine. But then you got the stereotypical Russian R- Russian bad guys. And I'm like, why they got to be Russian? You know, mm-hmm. the Ethiopian guy was interesting. Why not make them Ethiopian? <laughs> oh, then we're being racist. I'm like, well, you're kind of being culturist. Oh, that's not even a word. That's <laughs> going to come up. So, you know, at some point it's going to, that's going to come up too. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, and I don't, I don't care, but it's like, dude, we've seen this before. Like the writer of this film literally wrote another film like this. Not, not, not many years before. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I I'm not I'm not hating on Derek Holstad, you know, make your make your bread. But what I'm saying is, yeah, this felt like a sequel to nobody, because I feel like if you're going to have all these slow mo scenes that shows this guy, you know, being tough and, you know, about to throw down scenes like that should be in a sequel, not the original first film. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't even know this character. I don't know where he learned these skills in the FBI. I'm just supposed to believe that he's that he's this. That he's this that great, guy. you know what I mean? Like Bob yeah. Odenkirk has a relatable face, but the the downside to that is he has a relatable face. <laughs> it's hard for me to believe that he used to be a badass. <laughs> I'm serious. It's hard for me to believe that. And I was watching the movie. And I was like, okay, this film is basically what it was in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of, it kind of is. It kind of gives you exactly. Yeah, it gives you exactly what it said. It. You know, it was going to give you in the trailer. You're right about that. Don't you hate um, that, though, when the trailer kind of shows the well, you couldn't show a lot of those bone crushing scenes in the trailer. But when the trailer kind of shows you the best part and kind of shows you the whole movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know, I mean, it seems like everybody hates it. I mean, if you go to, you know, you start watching trailers on YouTube, you see the comments and people are like, man, who knows how to make a trailer anymore? And then those movies where, you know, you know, it doesn't tell the whole the whole plot. People are like, "Yes, finally a good trailer!" Like, <laughs> of the trailer. Yeah, like because it doesn't I, give away too much. I see comments on a bad trailer, like, "Hey, thanks for telling me the whole movie. Now you right. won't get my ticket. You know, exactly. now you won't yeah. get my money." Yeah, um, I forgot what other point I was going to say about that movie, but um, dang. Uh, oh, the trope of yeah, like you were saying walking off in slow motion as you light a cigarette or something like that. You know, sometimes I wonder if people have thought, okay, hey, it's been it's been long enough to where we haven't seen scenes like that in a while and we can bring them back again. Because the thing is, is once you leave stuff like that, you know, alone for a while, mm. say five, ten years, and then you bring it back, it looks amazing again. So I, sometimes I wonder if people are just trying to bring that back because that's what we were used to in the 90s and the early 2000s. Um, but I don't think it's been long enough. It hasn't been long enough for us to, you know, say, hey, I wonder where those scenes went. 
You know, this film was 92 minutes. It was 92 minutes too long. It was. It was. That's something, ain't it? When you yeah. the film is actually the film the film was actually short and sweet, but it was like it felt like it, it was felt, ninety two like minutes long. too long. It felt it felt like it was a two it felt like it was a two hour movie. I did like the return of Christopher Lloyd though. Every time I see him, I think of Back to the Future, the guy that played his father. Oh. Hmm. It wasn't. It didn't really do much for me. I just liked seeing him again. Um, Rizzo was random. Rizzo was random. But you know, I I I, I didn't mind it. You know, Rizzo come show up in the end like, "Hey man, heard you needed help." <laughs> All right, sure. Whatever. It, it it was it was predictable. I knew he was gonna do that. Right. Hey, it, it, the funniest thing about it is that. The guy who directed the film is Russian. Oh wow! <laughs> Ilya, uh, if I'm messing his name up, I'm sorry. Ilya uh, Nashuler. Ilya Nashuler. Interesting. I like how the film starts off. Like the film started off fine, with you know the the invasion happens, and then everyone is like. If it was my house, man, or if it was me, yeah, you know, yeah, and he, I did like that too. I, I like that this character is being pushed to the edge, but he's like, you know what? Keep calm, keep mm-hmm. calm. And this is where the, you know, again, the repetitiveness comes in where we like, okay, we saw this in John Wick where the daughter's like, they took my bracelet. Mm-hmm. All right, it's go time. I'm like, really, man, over a bracelet. Like, it's, it's, it's more believable for John Wick to get mad over his dog, which is living, mm-hmm. which was living, but a bracelet, man, like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, it's a little too too emotional. You know, I get it. You know, as a father, you have your your princess who you want to protect and stuff, but it's just like, come on, a bracelet. <laughs> oh, I was about to say. So that wasn't BS to you. Are you as a father? No, like, no, okay. no, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm agreeing with you. It's just like okay. you know, it's a bracelet. It's like okay, you know, it's a little small thing. You know, it's it's not. Something that I need to go and crack somebody's skull open for. All right, no problem. Anything else you've seen recently? Um, Invincible. I watched Invincible on Amazon. Okay, okay. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did tell me you was thinking about getting there. How you like it so far? You like it? I finished it, and it's, um, it's, 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 uh, it's good. Um, I'm surprised it's as popular as, you know, everybody has made it out to be. You know, I've I've seen the memes and stuff about it and, and things like Me that. Me too. Um, but I'm kind of surprised that people liked it as much as they did. Because for me, it was just, it was like, okay, yeah, it's a superhero cartoon. It's uh, all right. I don't know. I think it I think it gives people that nostalgia of, you know, Justice League, Spider-Man, but a bit more adult with more mature themes. I haven't watched it yet, but I've I've heard good things. I'm reading the comic book right now. It just gives people nostalgia, I, I believe. They they want a good animated superhero show again. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays you got Teen Titans, you know, some people like Harley Quinn's show, um, her animated series. But I think people are just. 
they're asking for a show like Invincible. You know, I, I can say that uh, the last episode is the best. Like, I don't know what it is, but like, there there are certain times when like in a show you just want just hard hitting action. That mm-hmm. last episode does it. Like I was, I was like, you felt every impact, you felt every hit, and it was just like, and everything kind of, it just climaxed into this to that last episode, and you're just like, yeah, it just felt good in a right. in a, a, a grit way, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so that worked, but um, but I was still just you know kind of surprised that it, it was as successful as it was, but. But I, I hear what you're saying as far as just having an adult show. It yeah, it does give you that. It it, it is bloody. Um, you know, they they do cuss in it quite a bit. Um it's it's adult. Right. Yeah, yeah. I recently just started watching uh The Stand, which is a mini series that adapts Stephen King's novel, you know, The Stand. Hmm, I haven't, I haven't oh. uh, heard of the show or the book. Okay. Uh, well, basically, it's about the end of the world, and um, there's this pandemic that happens. Ironically, oh wow! Um, people get sick from this flu called Captain Trips, and it le- it basically leads to the standoff between the side of good and the side of evil. That's basically what the what the story is in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. The book is long. The book is like a thousand pages. It's a great book, but it's very long. Wow. Yeah, it's probably Stephen King's longest book next to it. But um the miniseries, I just felt like it was it was just okay. Like, here's the thing: it's not easy to adapt Stephen King for film or TV. It's just not easy. He has a great imagination, but some stories are best left for the page. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are great exceptions. There's Misery, there's the Green Mile, the Shawshank Redemption. What else we got? The Mist, Carrie, Christine. There's great there's great examples of when Stephen King works great for film or TV. But then there's also examples where, you know, people want to adapt every single word that he wrote and put it into a 10-hour miniseries. And it's like, dude, there's a reason that was left on page. This looks boring on TV. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. pros should stay as pros. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to adapt works by him because you know the book is good, but sometimes the imagination translates awkwardly on film. Like I say, a, a perfect example of that is Dreamcatcher. I like Dreamcatcher the novel because it's so weird and off, but the movie it really takes the source material seriously and it just makes the movie look weird. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like, then there was the hotel one, the one with uh, Samuel Jackson and John Cusack. Was it 1408? Yeah, I remember that. I saw one a long time ago. Yeah, that movie was that movie was kind of boring. And that, and that was originally a short story. The short story is fine. It's okay. But that didn't really need to be turned into a movie. I don't want to see John Cusack in a hotel for like 90 minutes, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes when you, yeah, you're right. They they just shouldn't turn a short story into a full length film. That that doesn't make sense. Now I heard Doctor Sleep is great. 
I wanted to, that's on my list to watch. I almost watched it one day a while ago, but I just it, it's in isn't it long? I haven't seen it. I just heard it's great. It is pretty long. I heard there's a director's cut out there too that's that's getting rave reviews. But you know, Doctor Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining, a film like that, you know, that's that's kind of like that's the anomaly, that's the exception. The guy who's directing that is um he also did another horror show on Netflix, The Haunting of Hill House or something like that, that people love. Mm. That's based off a Shirley Jackson novel. Man, ghost stories and stuff, The Conjuring, you know, anything that deals with spirits, I rarely watch that stuff because that stuff really gets to me. It gets under my skin and I'm just like, uh, nah, I won't sleep for a week. I feel you. I feel you. Um, yeah, some people can do Stephen King well, like Frank Darabont, the guy I just mentioned, I think his name is Mike Flanagan. Yeah, that's his name. He does Stephen King well. Um, can't think of anyone else right now. It's not coming to my mind. But some people can do Stephen King well. Some people, they falter a bit because they take the source material too seriously mm-hmm. and they end up sacrificing the potential artistic value because of it. Mm-hmm. Some people just drop the ball entirely. Like The Dark Tower, I went to go see that, and I'm a huge fan of Dark Tower novels. And it's like they tried to cram all... It's like they tried to cram all of it into one movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not going to work. Even if I never read the books, I walked out, I would walk out of that film saying, you know, that was just okay. Yeah, I, I, I saw the, the the Dark Tower and it, it um it seems like it has some 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 screws loose. Um something wasn't just something wasn't working. And I saw it a long time ago, so I'll have to watch it again to like refresh my my brain as to exactly uh what happened but um i remember my impression which is like it was just okay yeah yeah that was one of those films that gave you the phantom menace effect where the moments leading up to it i was copying every teaser every trailer like sharing it on facebook like yo i cannot wait like i am a dark tower fan then the moment came when i went to go see the movie and i just was you know, I was like this the whole time, and <laughs> I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I need to watch it again. Maybe I missed something. Yeah. And I just the next morning, I was like, Nah, bro, you ain't missed nothing. That movie was trash. Yo, have you heard that? That I think they're coming out with a Lord, a Lord of the Rings uh, series. I think it is. Yeah, they're coming out with a series on Amazon. I'm like, dog, leave Lord of the Rings alone. Like the first, the uh, the first movies were good enough. The first three movies were were great. I I have faith in it. They're putting a lot of money into it, and it, it's well. I can't say you can't go wrong with Lord of the Rings because look at the Hobbit films. Those films are three films too long. Um, that story could have get could have got wrapped up in two movies. It could have, of course, but of course they they always have to stretch it out to three or four, however many, so that they can get the maximum amount of money. Because they knew that people were going to go see it just because it's a part of the Lord of the Rings, you know. Right. It was uh, a cash cow. It was a cash cow. Yeah, I knew they were going to do that, but it it was kind of annoying though when they made when they made that third movie. I was like, oh come on, man. But yeah, I. 
I mean, I have faith in it. Um, the new Game of Thrones show that's coming out, the prequel show. I don't know too much. Of, I, don't, I don't know about that one. That might be good. Uh, what was it called? So House still, of the Dragon? I still have to watch Game of Thrones. So me and the wife have decided that we're going to watch that one together. Um, I remember when I watched it in college, I um, uh, I watched like the first season of it, but it, it didn't grip me. So I just kind of like fell off. I was just like, eh, it's whatever. Breaking Bad is what really got me when I started watching that. But um, Game of Thrones was just... Yeah, of course. That's Breaking Bad. I mean, but people would say the same things about Game of Thrones. And it's just like, it never really got me. So I'm going to try to give it a second chance um, the second time around whenever I have time to watch it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know really what to say. I, I, I want to recommend it to you. But then that last season keeps coming back into my brain. And so everybody says, man. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I watch the show. Watch the show with your wife. And when you get to the last season, um, you know, don't fear getting to it. But you know, just just get there. You know, it may not be what you want it to be, but at least you got there. Because I feel like the last season left a bad taste in my mouth, and I haven't really rewatched it since. I might, I might in the future, but I feel like enjoy the ride because once you get into it, it's gonna, it's gonna be a great show. Um, it's just the last season that can, that kind of try you a little bit. Yeah. Well, we'll see, man. All right, man. You got any film tips for us? Um, let's see. Film tips. Uh, I don't, I don't have any direct film tips, but I do have, um, like, uh, you know, if you have a camera and you're shooting content for like, you know, a business or, uh, you know, a client, um, make sure you, you ask what the client wants. Don't, you know, just go and assume, you know, what the client wants and just start, you know, just shooting whatever you want to shoot. Make sure that you know you know what problem the client is having or what the videos that you're gonna video or videos you're gonna make what problem they're solving um that's one of the first things in business i feel like that you know a lot of us in this in this creative space if once we branch over to that business side have to know okay so have you ran into a situation where you assumed you knew what the client wanted and you kind of just ran with it and then found out you were wrong? Um, not, not really, not really to that extent, to be honest. Um, I think I've, I've lucked up in this area because when I have run across stuff, like if the client asked me, like there was one video where the client asked me to hold, it was like this, the, the last shot of the, of the ad and the client just wanted, you know, um, a, a, a clear picture front on front on shot of, uh, their, their, the models they had. And okay, I didn't, I didn't think I forgot that she wanted that. 
And so I came in from like an angle, from like the left or right angle. I forgot which one it was. And so the final shot was on an angle instead of just straight front on. And so I did the video and stuff and the video was great and she loved it. But then that last shot came around and she was like, you know, I wanted, I wanted that front shot. Like that was one of the main reasons that we shot the thing so that we could get that frontal shot. But the rest of the video that came before that was so good that, you know, later on she texted me and she was like, you know what? Don't change anything. It's great. It's a work of art. Let's just leave it how it is. Mm-hmm. I got, I lucked up because the rest of the video was creative enough to where it was like, this is good. This is really good. So I, I've lucked up a few times like that, but I, I try not to put myself in that situation. Right. So I've learned to kind of, you know, give the client exactly what they want and make sure I listen. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I would definitely. Not that I can think off the top of my head, but I would agree. I mean, there can be happy accidents. Mm-hmm. Those are the best kind of accidents while shooting. Yeah. Um, but I would say when you have a client, it is best to stick to the script. I, I say you should have a you should have appropriate in, uh, intuition. If you really think you should swing it, then swing it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, a Hollywood producer once told me, hey, man, make your mistakes when nobody's looking. Mm, yeah. So there's that, too. Yeah. Um, practice, practice makes perfect, you know? Yeah. I've been writing again. I've been writing again for some time. You know, I've been writing like diary vlogs, but now I'm starting to turn them. I'm starting to write film views again. Okay. So are you going to post those online or? Yeah. I, um, on my other podcast, my other, uh, co-host, we have a show called double feature versus, um, he has a website. I was going to post my reviews there. Um, nobody in Quiet Place were going to be two of them. So I figured I, um, I'll get into that to like fight my writing itch. And uh, so far, it's been going good, man. That's really good. Keep at it, man. Yeah. I know it can be hard, man, especially if you have a job and stuff and you're just, you know, your passion. You want to do your passion and... It takes time, but yeah, you know, you just gotta tell yourself, don't be burnt out. You know what I mean? Like, um, you can, like, you can be burnt out, but at the end of the day, make sure you did something. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, man. Hey, man. All I can tell you though is, bro. So, you're married already, right? <sighs> man, write as much as you can before you have your first child tell you that straight up bro because once you start having children that free time goes right out the window right right i got you i got you uh why you keep trying to scare me man you you kind of making me hey. think having a kid ain't worth it hey, the way man, you be no, talking it, the, the only reason the only reason I, I i say this is because because i know what it's like as as a creative um to have to step back from your work so that's why i'm just like you know, just, I mean, whatever you and your wife want to do, of course, that, that's what you want to do. You want to have kids. I got hey, you. I got you. I catch you. I'm just messing with you. It. Yeah. I know I, you I, mean I just, well. I, yeah. I just, I just always like to, you know, let people know, like, it gets real. It, gets it may real. not be the joys you were looking for. 
Yeah, bro. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I am in a good space to uh, practice my art. Yeah. So. All right, y'all. We're going to call. Uh, we're going to uh, close this up. Uh, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vault. Uh, like, share, and subscribe. Hey, if you're listening to this, um, leave a comment on Apple Podcast or wherever comments are available. Let us know what you're thinking, what you like, what you don't like. Um, be engaged. We want to be engaged with you and listen to uh, what you guys like. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, so my name is Chris. Yep, I'm Anthony. And Paige is still uh, still on hiatus, I guess. Or oh, yeah, we, we got a project. Yeah, I forgot to touch on that. Yeah, Paige is still on hiatus. Paige um still working. Um, she will be back with us. But hey, this is Anthony. Um, he's Chris. And uh, thank you for tuning in. Bye. Peace.